All right, welcome to Down by the Bank, sponsored by Brewers Pizza, Orange Park, and Clay County's only brew pub. This is Corey. Hey guys, what's up? It's Derek. Hey, what's up, guys? It's JK3. All right, tonight we have a special guest. His name is Darren Gardner. He is actually a sports agent from the Sports Entity Group. He is also registered with the NFLPA. And needless to say, we are super jealous of his career as a sports agent. It sounds like the most awesome thing ever. Darren, welcome to the podcast. Thank you, gentlemen, for having me on the podcast tonight. I appreciate it. Yeah, for sure. So what was funny is we kind of found you kind of in a, in a funny way in that we're pretty modest and that we don't we don't consider ourselves experts in every area of the game. I mean, of course, we're fans and this is a fan podcast. We're not journalists or writers or anything. So I think a couple episodes back, we had made some con- uh, conversation about contracts and I think related to rookie contracts with some of the draft picks we had. And uh, we met you through the fact that you corrected us on Twitter. So we appreciate that. Not a problem. Anytime that I could give a little insight on the process, I'm, I'm happy to do it. Sure. So one interesting thing with you when I was uh, direct messaging you about just kind of the, the insight that you had given us is that you were actually, so I think at the time you were at the Kansas City Chiefs camp, but you're actually from Jacksonville. So I was kind of hoping for myself and just sort of the people that listen to the podcast, if you could kind of give us a background as to you know, your history with the city, uh, growing up here in town and sort of like how you, uh, you know, created that path for yourself into the the career that you're in now. Well, I've always been interested. I love football, love sports in general. So it's always been a passion. 17, I graduate high school here and I go to UF, go Gators. From there, worked in the business field. And then one day just kind of things came together and I start researching how would I go about being an agent? So I just pulled up my Google machine and went and entered that information and saw, oh, wow, I can apply. Now the requirements are a little bit different. Now you have to have a at least a master's degree. I would probably say most of the agents, 65% of the agents are lawyers, and the other 35% are probably like myself, have a master's in business and we use all of our business background to get into the industry. That's interesting. So, I mean, was that like a, a career uh, that that you had sort of like, uh, you know, on, on the outlook from the beginning? Is that what you kind of always wanted to do or did it kind of evolve over time? I always knew I wanted to do something in sports. And that's something that I always sort of had in the back of my head. And once, you know, you kind of work and you're successful in business and you do certain things in business and you accomplish and you go certain ways and you say, okay, how can I branch off and do my own thing? And this is kind of what happened as a result of that. So one of the things that I think about whenever I hear sports agent and sports, uh, you know, representative, I think of Spencer Strasmore from the show Ballers. So, um, <laughs> so, so is it, is it, is it as tedious? Uh, you know, he had the whole couple seasons ago where he was trying to get licensed for the NFLPA and was going through all this crazy stuff. Um, is it, is it a really tedious process, you know, getting involved with the NFLPA and being, you know, a, a, a financial representative for some of these guys? Yes, it is. Actually, yeah. What the NFLPA does is the first of each year, they have their what's called open application period. So it's generally about the 15th, early January through early February. It's about, it's a 30 day window. You put in the application fee, non-refundable fee. I believe it's like $2,500. So it's pretty pricey. Just, and to, then, just to drop in a bucket. Just to drop. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Yeah. So just to drop in a bucket. And they tell you at that point, 
they will get back with you. And they say every year, all the new agents have to go to Washington, D.C. in July from that standpoint. So you probably realize that you're approved in May. They send you the collective bargain agreement and other source documents in early June. And you have to sit for a test over a two-day seminar. And then a little bit right before Labor Day, you find out whether you pass the exam and you, you, you take it from there. But it's pretty tedious. And a lot of people will tell you that it's tough. I believe the last three years, the average pass ratio has been 40%. So it's a, wow. it's a pretty, it's a pretty yeah. tough test. And you're talking about people who have passed the bar exam, you know, master's degrees have done a lot in business and the pass ratio is still very poor. Man, that's, that's, that's crazy. That is absolute craziness. Uh, but hey, when you when you're passionate about something and you want to do it, you, you become determined, I guess. Um, really, so when when we look at you know what sports agents do, you know the the, the biggest thing is you know uh, contracts. You know, I say you know that's the only thing fans really know about. Um, not even really educated on it, but just know that that's what is involved. Obviously, you know the NFL players over the last few years have made some noise about how much they get paid compared to the other three leagues. Uh, NBA, MLB, and NHL. Um, tell us about you know just how that how those uh, NFL contracts compare to the other three major American sports leagues. Well, the NFL, you know what it stands for. People say it stands for not for long. The average age of life in the NFL is three point four years. So you go from there. They're not guaranteed money across the board the way. You know, there is in basketball and baseball from that standpoint. So, yeah, that that's a work in progress. The owners on the flip side would tell you that you have more players in football. There's 53 men on the roster, and it doesn't account any injured reserve contracts that you may have to pay out from that standpoint. So the owners would tell you that they have more money to pay out from that standpoint. On the player side, the benefit of it, their benefits tend to be a little bit better, but that's not something you hear about in the news. But it needs to be better because the violent nature of the sport from that standpoint. It's interesting. Yeah. So, and with those benefits, you know, they're always fighting for those things. And we, we got a CBA uh, coming up. You know, that's something that a lot of fans don't pay attention to, but a simple Google search will tell you at least when the CBA expires or when it's, you know, being negotiated. So um, do you see the, the salary cap and some, some uh, extra benefits, you know, going up because of the other three major sports uh, leagues? Or is it going to, you know, are they pretty uh, on, the, on the same page right now? I think this next CBA is going to be very crucial for from the players and the owners side. You just look at all the money that goes into sort of football from that standpoint and how vast contracts are happening, different ways to pick up media deals. You know, you have Amazon, I believe that's going to have a big portion of that through video, you know, Facebook and this new media that you didn't have when the con when the CBA was done in 2011. So I do think you're probably more than likely going to see a bump in salary cap, a bump in 
different sort of back-end guarantees that you would normally see in previous deals just because there's so much money involved and teams and players just going to have to work together to try to come up with an agreement that may be a little bit painful for the fans, but that's essentially what we're going to, we're, it seems like we're going to from that standpoint. So in an earlier episode, one of the things that we had kind of touched lightly on, and, and this may have been uh, actually where you had kind of interceded and jumped in was on the guaranteed uh, money that the rookies are getting in today's NFL. So obviously it's nothing compared to the rules before the existing CBA came into effect where contracts were negotiated before the draft even took place. But if you could talk a little bit about how the guaranteed money is usually broken up over the length of the contract, because I think that's something that kind of catches me up a little bit of the time and something that uh, generally fans don't tend to understand, I think. Yeah, sure. I will explain it. So, and let's sort of just deem it, sort of have it for the first round and I can explain it from there a little bit better. So the, you have your first round draft picks. They have a four-year standard four-year deal. Their most of their money is given to them in the form of signing bonus. So let's go back to a guy who's been in the news lately, Dante Fowler. He was, what, the third pick of the the draft? Is that correct? In 2015? 2015. So the bulk of his his contract is going to be in signing bonus. That signing bonus from a cap standpoint is prorated over those four years. So if you're going by over the cap and he received a $16 million signing bonus for easy math, $4 million dollars, is prorated each year over the four years. Plus it has what its base salary get base salary that he would receive over the course of that particular season. And that's broken down into 17 weeks. A lot of people, when they look at see players contracts, they look, Oh, he's getting $5 million. Whereas $5 million is broken up between in 17 increments from week one to week 17, and then there's additional money if your team makes the pay, play, playoffs in that nature. So they're, they're what's called paragraph five salary. That's broken down from essentially September through the end of the regular season. When, when, it, when it comes time to, you know, with, with a holdout, for example, right? So let's take Aaron, uh, Aaron Donald right now, his situation, uh, Khalil Mack, you know, pretty, pretty high profile, um, you know, athletes. How much contract like negotiation goes on between like with the athlete and the team and vice versa? And do most of the negotiations happen like with the player and the team, or is it more along the lines of like agent to player? Like how, how does that go? You may bring it's it's each it's either or. I mean, sometimes you bring in the players, but sometimes the players they want to focus on training and getting their bodies right, and they trust the agents. Some players want to be involved in the process and understand it because they're very business savvy from that standpoint and they want to understand the process. So you involve them every step of the way and, and try to go over the numbers and you compare different positions to say, okay, this is what this guy, this position's getting paid yet your production was a little bit higher in the case of Aaron Donald and Mac the issues that you have there are 
in the CBA, it states that you can't renegotiate a rookie deal until after the player has finished the third season from that standpoint. So what you have is, and then for the first round draft picks, you have a fifth year team option where they could put on a fifth year or an Aaron Donald situation and Khalil Mack situation. They, in their minds and correctly, they have outperformed their contract. Right. So when you start thinking, doing the numbers, you just do it in your head. Okay. We have a four-year contract. By the end of year two, he's an all pro at his position. He can't negotiate that contract until after the third season. The team has an option for the fifth year. So if you are 22, when you enter the draft and you get drafted, you're 27 at the end of that deal. Well, more than likely, if you're a top player at that position, what's going to happen next when you become an unrestricted free agent? You're not going to become an unrestricted free agent. You're going to get the franchise tag at that point. So now you go another year, at least a year, another year, to where you don't, you're not able to receive a big signing bonus, a big guarantee that spreads over a few years. And then at that point, you're 28. Maybe you've had some injuries at that standpoint. So it's guys understanding and saying, wait a minute, I've outperformed this contract here and I want to be compensated accordingly for what I've done. So, and so it's more along the lines of, okay, so in Khalil Mack's case, I've been a all pro, not in one position, but in two positions. Um, same thing with Aaron Donald. I'm probably the best, uh, you know, defensive player, game changer here in the NFL. I've outperformed my contract. Let's pay up. Absolutely. That, that's essentially what the case is. And they don't have anything in their standpoint. They don't really have anything to lose at that point because from an, uh, there's stipulations in the CBA that states, oh, if you're not, if you don't show up by this time, you lose an accrued season. That accrued season then goes to free agency. But in their standpoint, that doesn't really matter because they're so dominant at their position mm-hmm. that someone's going, someone's got to pay them regardless. And they're just using, their worth on the field is leveraged to try to gain a, a new contract. Now, now, Darren, it's funny, you know, uh, JK3 just brought up, you know, those two players, uh, Donald and um, Khalil Mack, because we might, as Jags fans and, and, and the, the team, the Jags might have a similar situation on their hands next year uh, with uh, Ramsey and, uh, and Gakwe. So, you know, with the multi-year uh, contracts, you know, obviously in, in, in play here, you know, extensions, you know, in their foreseeable future. Uh, how does that, you know, do they have to stagger those one one year and one the next year? You know, how does that work so the team doesn't, you know, you know bottom out pretty much on the cap? Well, there's a, there's a few things to sort of think about here as we get close to the end of the CBA. If you are the reasonable mind that, okay, 
media deals have increased. Other digital properties through digital media, social media, those deals have increased. Well, that means that when the calculation's done for the next CBA, you would think that there would be more money in the salary cap available from that standpoint. So one position an agent could take is, well, or a team could take for that, that's from that idea is, okay, I understand the cap is this right now. But if I'm looking at redoing a, a contract now, that's going to extend into the next CBA where I'm more than likely going to have a higher salary cap, then me signing someone now may not be that big of an issue from that standpoint. Mm, because okay. Okay. If, if the salary cap's at two, $200 million now and I sign someone to a $15 million average year deal, well, in 20. 21 or 22 the salary caps at 250 what does it matter <laughs> because yeah. the salary cap is higher yeah. at that standpoint okay. and that deal now looks like a bargain and that deal now looks like a bargain to the team and you could say you know fans we get our information from you know sites like you know over the cap which we don't know how accurate they really are but obviously you know from a gm standpoint you know he's definitely eyeing that you know that date because he can definitely play you know have have some play to to make it work to the team's advantage you also want to make sure I, I think what i like about the jags and what the jags do is they have a history and they have a pretty good reputation around the league as paying paying players and agents know this players know this and also what the Jags have done with, you know, Dave Caldwell, their st- scouting staff has, has done a great job, is they also draft well. When you pick the right free agents and you draft well, that allows you some flexibility with the cap to do the right things and give the right money to the people that the franchise deems worthy of that contract. So I think from that standpoint, I, I don't really see any scenario where an Ngwakwe or Ramsey isn't paid once it's time for the contracts to be revised and extended at that point. So the next su- uh, couple of questions, I think we have like three in total after this or, or more about the, the career and the job in general. But just as a side note. I mean, since this is a Jaguars podcast, I mean, have you heard or do you know? Of course, I don't want to ask you directly because I'm sure, you know, you can't get too in-depth on this. But, I mean, do the Jaguars have a good reputation in the sports agent community? Are they looked at favorably? Do they do they treat negotiations fairly? I mean, is there any insight that you can give us on that? Yeah, I definitely think you could go look at different sites where it's public information. Since the institution of the current CBA all teams have to spend a certain amount of cash each year. And it's done in four-year increments. You know, the first one went until, I believe, 25th. It started in 2013 and maybe went to 2017. And I think the next one ends at 2020. And in a four-year period, you have to spend a certain amount of cash level percentage of the cap at that point. And the Jags, if you go and look at this number, it's, it's accessible online. You can see that the Jags, 
freely spend their money and agents know this, you know, players know this, obviously Florida being a no income tax state, that's good for Jacksonville. So everyone understands that Jacksonville has a lot of positive vibes going to them. Obviously what happened last season only sort of, you know, enlightens that, you know, it sort of brings that out even more that the city and the Jaguars are on the right track. Well, kind of like, and and I joked about this when we first got started, just in terms of, uh, you know, sports agent sounding like such an awesome career. And, you know, JK3 kind of mentioned the TV, the movie, pop culture references to it. Um, And, and, you know, don't give me the everything's always wonderful thing, because I am curious, you know, what are the challenges or kind of the downfalls in that type of career, uh, whether it be personally or professionally, because I'm sure there's a lot of hurdles you have to jump over and and uh, I'm sure a lot of your time is taken up by being in this type of business. Yeah, you know, it's it does have some challenges. You know, you're competing against other agents. You're on the road. You're on a plane a lot. You're in the car a lot. You may spend a lot of time, months and months, recruiting, you know, talking to family members, sending emails, trying to set up meetings at the end of the season to just have it choose someone else. You know, that's right. You know, right. You, you're leaving it up to chance. So yeah, it's, that's the downside of it. You know, the other side of it is maybe you, in, in my situation, I love the game of football. So to me, I like, looking at a lot of film. Like I've probably looked pretty much all the preseason games from week one already and looked at the kickoff return in so many times. I've looked at pretty much multiple times the kickoff return since it's a new rule. So you have to be a student of the game from my standpoint, because when I look at that college player and I go to practice or, or I watch a game on TV, I need to be a student of the game. Okay, if this is a linebacker, how does he engage in space? You know, what type of technique he has? Is he the three tackle defensive tackle? Does he get his does he get low to gain leverage or not? So I'm looking at it as a student of the game to see how what he's doing in college and what he's doing on film translates to the next level. So there's another layer to it at that point because really what you want to do is if you talk to any player they're going to tell you, and their parents too, they're going to tell you that I can be in the NFL because they're an athlete. That's how they think. But it is a lot that goes into that from that standpoint. So as an agent, you have to choose right because there's a lot of expenses that are involved into going into this business that if you're wrong, you, you've spent a lot of money. Right. <laughs> Some agents more than others. <laughs> I mean, that, that, I mean, and like I, I said, man, you know, I, I can just really just keep thinking about, you know, ballers <laughs> and because that's just what's really relevant right now, you know, b- besides following, you know, Drew Rosenhaus and some of those like more famous guys on Twitter just to see some of their clientele. Um, but besides, you know, some of the negotiation and, uh, and the contracts and, you know, finding like advertisement deals, you know, anything else like that. What are other some of the services that a, that a sports agent may provide, uh, you know, to to a client? Honestly, be anything. You're looking at uh, these days. How do you get them a blue check as simple as 
Oh, how do I get verified on Instagram? I mean, that's essentially it could it could be that simple or it could be as big as, oh, I'm trying to buy a car. What type of car or what are you going to get the best deal from from that standpoint? And then maybe it's calling up a few dealerships stating, okay, let's do this. What if we cut a deal and maybe we can feature him in a commercial to maybe that vehicle's less or that purchase less for him. It's also being, to me, I want guys to understand more so than anything materialistic, understand what they're going to be doing after football and investing their, their money wisely, looking at other different business businesses that are offered through the NFLPA. There are many different services that fans don't hear about, about there being broadcast camps. Players can go to Harvard Business School in the in the off season to learn about business. And there's a lot of different sort of angles be, based off various interests that guys can be directed in while they're playing the game so they have a better understanding of what they're going to do after the game to transition into after football life accordingly. So do you ever give any uh, players any any advice on to join Down by the Bank as a, as a, a regular guest on the show? <laughs> I need to start I need to start doing that. We get there's a lot of there's a lot of football guys in Jacksonville. I think I was I was sort of doing some research from this last draft. I think there were at least at my last count there were 16 guys that were either drafted or signed undrafted free agents contracts from the last draft that are from the Jacksonville area. And that's that's great for that's great for the city. You know, that that just goes to show you how important the Jaguars and football is, you know, to this community. Yeah, no, it is. It, it, we, we always have a, a good turnout, you know, when, when kids going to college. So it doesn't surprise me when I see a lot of them, you know, transitioning to the NFL, you know, because um, the level of competition is a lot better here as an, at an early age, you know, going through high school and college. So it's g- good to see them progressing. Um one of the things that uh, a lot of you know people see, uh, you know, fans see, is obviously uh, players that you know after their career's done, they they're pretty much broke. You know, just you know, be, being honest, you know, and we're assuming the players are you know introduced to financial planning through the symposium, maybe through their agent. Um, you know, what's the what's the percentage you've seen that players actually take advantage of financial planning for life after football? I think a lot of them do. I mean, really, I, I I think it's a misnomer that maybe all of them may be broke. I think you have to understand how the CBA works is, especially with the new CBA, is once you're done playing, you have to get to a certain amount of years to where you are vested. And once you're vested, after that is, it's five years, maybe after a certain age, that you could start collecting on this pension, retirement, and things of that nature. So that goes back to what I said earlier in the conversation. If the average life, NFL life, is three and a half years, and it takes you six years to be vested, then there's a gap there, you know, for for a lot of guys Mm -hmm. there, that they they may not get to the pension. So that's 
going through different type of programs. And I think that's being a focus of the NFLPA and even the NFL to make sure that their program's available. And you see that, okay, you know, a lot of things that you don't hear about on the news, the NFL, you know, everyone works, everyone knows what, you know, most people know that listens to this podcast, I'm sure has a 401k, at least I hope they do. And you invest in your 401k. Well, the NFL has a great 401k plan for the, for the players. I believe they're matched up for every dollar that the players contribute. The NFL matches $2. Wow. wow. That's a pretty good deal. Oh, what? Wow. That's crazy. Wow. That's how you, that's how you yeah. know we're getting old because all three of us are just like, shut up. Like, you match $2 for every $1 that I put. And here it is. I'm getting 4% back. You know, and y'all getting 2 bucks for every one you put in? Man, that's crazy. Is that is that uncapped or is that capped? It's up to like – it. It changes by the year. I think it's up to twenty four thousand that they will match. Wow! And obviously, your cap from an IRS standpoint, I believe this year is eighteen five. But what a lot of people don't hear is ninety. I believe the stat was ninety eight percent of the guys, the NFL players, are in the four hundred one k. Ninety two percent of those players max out on their four hundred one k. So. How many, just think of whatever big company there is in Jacksonville. Do you think 92% of the employees of X company that has a big building downtown are maxing out their 401k? No, they're probably not. So that's why I say, well, really, they're not as maybe financial, you know, they're more financial knowledgeable than I think a lot of people give them credit for from that standpoint. And that's just through different education programs provided by the NFLPA to make sure that everyone sort of understands that there's life after football and you need to be able to set some money aside as you go along. I think a lot of people get caught up on the Instagrams and stuff and seeing, you know, the cars and the jewelry and, you know, the designer clothes. And then they relate that back to the, you know, the ESPN 30 for 30 that, uh, that happened um, a couple years or not a couple, but some years back called, you know, broke. And I think now the financial literacy of the NFL has changed uh, in order to present or excuse me, to prevent that from happening. Would you say like that? That's accurate. Oh, I, I totally agree. I totally agree that those type of documentaries and 30 for 30s have been great for everyone to bring awareness that, look, you need to save your money. I tell my clients now. Even the per diem check you're getting, save it. You don't <laughs> need anything. The team's providing you with everything. You have chefs three times a day. You can eat whatever you want to eat. You get to fly wherever you want to fly. Save your money. <laughs> right, exactly. You know, I didn't even didn't even think about that. When they go on the road, they get a per diem. Yes. Just like just like any other, you know, um, with 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 our jobs. <laughs> like, right. Good night. So just those little things, I guess, as fans, we don't really think about. That you know, hey, it's NFL is a company, it's a business, so you know they have to treat their you know their employees or the players, uh, staff, coaches the, the same way, you know. Yeah, absolutely. So yeah, that those are things you know the guys that even the guys that are in training camp right now that may not make the team, they're getting paid you know a certain amount of money doing training camp. That's most people would say, wow, that's pretty good 
per diem that you're getting there this week, you know? So you just have to be smart about your money. And guys understand that now that that's a little bit more of the forefront than maybe it was five, seven, ten years ago. Yeah, it definitely seems like that that piece of it is uh, certainly emphasized more. Like, I don't know if you guys have been watching Hard Knocks, but they had the uh, – I think it was the, from the first episode with the Browns where they had um, – what's his name? Was it Ryan Nassib who's like on the chalkboard drawing out the uh, – the uh, rule of 72 for interest compounding <laughs> over yeah, time. Yeah. Like, and then like he was just blowing that defensive lineman's mind. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Miles My- Garrett is sitting back there. Miles Garrett is just sitting back there eating a salad. Like, man, I don't got to worry about this. <laughs> but I mean, it's true though. I mean, and I think that's partly also with the, uh, you know, with the internet and everything and there being so much knowledge, not just about being financially, uh, uh, literate and savvy, but also that when there is an incident with a player being not so smart with their money, it is blown up all over the place and they are made to look like a total fool. So there's sort of like that social pressure too. Um, so that's good. I mean, the unfortunate part is, and maybe Darren, just to kind of wrap up here, you can kind of, uh, you know, maybe emphasize this or elaborate on this a little bit, but, um, I mean, how many, and again, I mean, I don't know, I don't want to have you throwing anybody under the bus or feeling uncomfortable with this question, but are there a lot of bad apples out there too in the sports agency world? I mean, guys that you've seen that are just very clearly not doing the right thing or taking advantage or are sort of like using that information gap that a person like yourself would have over an athlete and using it to their advantage for selfish reasons as opposed to representing their player properly. Yeah, that 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 happens and you could just, do a, a social media search and you could find out which agents have a different technique of how they present items and presentations and money to the players from that standpoint. I think most of the agents want to do things in, in the right way. And honestly, I have agent buddies that I talk to all the time. They send me texts and update on their players and we chat throughout the day. And it's great. We we share information. Oh, okay. What happened here? So yeah, that's that, that's a good job. I saw your player is doing great. Congratulations. But you know, there are a few bad apples out there who set a bad precedent and are not doing things in the best interest of the player. Yeah, absolutely. That that happens. Unfortunately, right. But not Darren Gardner, and that's why we have him on today. <laughs> that is correct. To make sure that <laughs> to make sure that that all athletes, including the Jacksonville Jaguars, know about you and your knowledge. So um, Darren is with Sports Entity Group. Uh, you can follow him on Twitter. At least that's how we found him at Sports Entity. Um, again. Uh, a sports agent and registered with the NFLPA, which is readily available on the internet. So you can find that, which is super cool. Um, and Darren, was there anything else you wanted to share with the, the Jaguars fans out there? Or any predictions that the Jaguars are going to the Super Bowl? <laughs> any insights that you have? You know, I think what what happens is, and what's happened within the last season with the Jags have been good. And I know this because I live here and I follow the team that how passionate the fan base is. So I just want to give a shout out to, you know, you guys doing this podcast and you guys have represented the city world because to me, I'm just going to be honest without you guys and gals in your late twenties, early thirties, and maybe into mid thirties. Now this team wouldn't exist without your fanatic 
fan support. So that's appreciative when I go other places now and I see Jaguars. Like I was in Kansas City um, a few weeks ago and on, on the commercial, the ticket broker was advertising two games. The Denver Broncos game, which that's the Chiefs big rivals, and the Jaguar game. Like you guys should take pride in like, man, we actually are on the map now to where Kansas City is playing commercials talking about a big game against the Jaguars in October. So hats off to you guys. You know, you I've I've been I go to London quite a bit. And you know, to see just walking down the the, the road and see someone in a Jaguar gear with the British <laughs> accent is like amazing to me. You know? <laughs> like that or you go walk by a footlocker, you see a Jaguar hat sitting in the footlocker in London. You're like, that's that's amazing. So credit well, to you guys. You guys have helped keep put Jacksonville on the map and you know, as the the great American poet Andre Benjamin once said, you know, this is Duval and the South has something uh, to say. Pr- so pr- to paraphrase. <laughs> oh really? Uh, Yo, young so, that's yeah. Andre three yeah. stacks. Andre three oh, okay. K. Andre three thousand. <laughs> <laughs> Outcast. Yeah. So you, you, you now, now we appreciate all the love that London's given us, but we also want to make sure we keep it. We keep it here, hometown team. You know, Duval, Jacksonville. No, I, I, I don't really see any reason why to think that the Jaguars would be moving to London. It's, it's just a good business deal. You know, you think how many times that you know you guys were talking about soccer a few podcasts ago. How many times do you see <laughs> English Premier League things in? the States. It's just good business for that team in London. You know, they get to have fans all over the world and they buy their gear and it goes to the bottom line. That's just being a good business person. It's so funny. You were about to quote poetry. I thought it was going to be like a legitimate, like 17th century. <laughs> like, <laughs> so I was waiting for a second. I was like, wow, this guy's getting super deep all of a sudden. Um, no, that's cool. Though. That's pretty funny. Yeah, no, we appreciate it. And I will say special shout out because we have, <laughs> we haven't done this yet. We have on social media, but we haven't said it on the podcast yet. Uh, we had our first guy who tweeted us a picture of him wearing the down by the bank shirt at the game and at the Brewers pizza uh, place that sponsors us. So shout out to Kevin Brown because he might be the top down by the bank fan. <laughs> so we just want to uh, give him some recognition there. Yeah, it's great. Yeah, it's great. And you guys keep doing what you're doing and hopefully the city can keep making waves to improve downtown and, and we can get, my goal is the city. I want to see an NFL draft here within the next five to seven years. And I think that's very possible. Yeah, no, yeah, I think so. I mean, it seems like we're moving that way. And if we can get the city to get behind Shad Khan and some of the development that he continues to, uh, the show is, is possible to do to make the city more attractive for those sorts of things. Uh, we'd probably move that goal along a little bit faster. So um, well noted for all of our listeners out there, make sure you vote and make sure that uh, you support the right people in elections. So um, 100%. we're getting, yep. So we're getting real deep here. So good stuff. Um, 
All right. So uh, Darren, again, thanks for being on. Um, Be sure to follow him on Twitter and we will link him up in the uh, podcast description as well. And for everybody that's listening, if you are on Apple Podcasts, thanks again for the support because we have just gotten like an insane amount of five-star reviews in the last couple weeks since we uh, have kind of kicked back into gear. And so that's been hugely awesome. We really appreciate that. Um, If you could leave us a review, if you haven't already, that would be great. And if you have any feedback, feel free to tweet it or DM it to us, or you can even email us at downbythebank at gmail.com. We always enjoy that feedback too. So again, thanks for listening and we will talk to you guys next time.